So I'm going to get right into the message this morning, and I hope that you will really set your hearts to hear what God has laid on my heart to teach. As you know, Pastor Ellen and I, we've been teaching a series um, about what's in the name. And this morning, because he's not with me, I want to pause and I want to pivot just a little bit and teach something that I feel that God is leading me to teach that I think goes along with everything we have been taught in the history of Fellowship of Champions. Um, but it really helps anchor us for this year, right? So let me pray, and then we're going to get started. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give you praise with much thanksgiving. You're so gracious. You're so kind. You're so good. You're so faithful. You are so amazing, and for that, we say thank you. This morning, we just want to thank you for Jesus. We thank you that because of Jesus, we can cry, Abba, Father, we thank you that because of Jesus, we have been reconciled back to you and redeemed from sin, death, and destruction. We thank you that we are not who we used to be because we have encountered Jesus. Now, Holy Spirit, we ask that the life of Jesus that has been planting in us would become a revelation for us and that we would begin to live from Christ in us the hope of glory and not our old identity. And we thank you for the transformation and for how it will anchor us as believers, anchor this ministry and anchor all believers across the world. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I'm really excited this morning. I'm teaching a message called How to Think Like God how to think like God. Now, in Isaiah 55, um, it tells us God is talking in the Old Testament and he says, for your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts, right? Now, understand this. He is talking to a people who have not been redeemed. Tell your neighbor, say, he, he's not talking to me. He's not talking to me. He was talking to a people who had not been redeemed. As a born-again believer, we have the right to have the mind of Christ. In Philippians 2, it actually tells us, let this mind be in us that was also in Christ Jesus. And it's so important if you're going to live the life that God has called you to live, live from the identity that God has called you to live from, that you begin to agree with what God has said about you. Tell your neighbor, say, I have a blood-bought right to think like God. I have a blood-bought right to think like God. I, I want you to let that really settle in. I have a blood-bought right. And in Jesus, so Jesus comes to redeem us, to restore us back to the Father. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. I need somebody to shout out Holy Spirit this morning. He gives us the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is going to lead us into all truth. So whatever is in my soul right now, whatever is in my thinking right now that doesn't agree with God, guess what? Right now, Holy Spirit is working on it. Right now, whatever is in your thinking, whatever is in your soul that does not align with God right now, Holy Spirit is working on it. I want somebody to say, Holy Spirit work, Holy Spirit work right now, wherever we don't think like God, where wherever we don't perceive like God, wherever we don't respond like God, Holy Spirit is at work in us. 
Now, what we want to do is we want to be open to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Amen. We don't want to fight against him. We don't want to hold on to the old things. Why? Because they just keep us in bondage. They just keep us on the path of death and destruction. And so I just want to, I'm going to tell you just a little bit about for everybody. I know um, that everybody here, you know, may not necessarily know me in the capacity of my work. But what I actually do outside of being a pastor is that I run a Christ-based, a Christian-based personal development company. And one of the biggest distinguishing factors between normal personal development and Christ-centered personal development is that world-based personal development is about making you a better you. Now, I really want you to hear this because I want you to begin to filter the Facebook posts, the meme, the Pinterest, the TikTok videos, the um, the Instagrams, the Twitters, what your friends say, what you think. I want you to begin to think about it this way. In the world, the goal is to be a better me. In the world, the goal is for me to create my own purpose, create my own dreams, and then do some human work in order to get there. But how many of you know that's not what it's like in the kingdom? In when 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 we begin to do Christ-based personal development, another word for Christ-based personal development is something you've heard sanctified. It's to be sanctified. So Christ-based personal development is the journey of sanctification, right? Christ-based personal development is the journey of sanctification, right? And so the goal of sanctification is not to make you a better you. The goal of sanctification is not to make me a better me. The goal of sanctification is not for us to get together and say, you know what? We think we want to build a tower and build it up to heaven. The goal of sanctification is for us to look like our Christ. Tell your neighbor, say you were saved to look like him. You were saved to look like him, right? And so it's so important that we understand as believers because sometimes we can be very excited. You know, our Holy Spirit has corrected me before because I would be like so excited because I used to cuss people out and now I don't cuss people out. And I would be like, they should be glad that I didn't cuss them out because the old me would have cussed them out. And he said, no, you should be glad, but you should remember the goal is not to be better than the old you. The goal is to look like Jesus. The goal is to look like Jesus. Now, if you think about it, the goal of looking like Jesus is an incredibly hard task. And for many of us, when we hear this, we immediately think, what can we do in our own strength? Tell your neighbor, say, the great thing is all you have to do is believe. And that's what we're going to walk through today. We're going to walk through some scriptures from a different translation. I'm using a translation today called the mirror translation, right? And I want to walk us through. And all of the scriptures are going to be scriptures that Pastor Edwin and I, or Pastor Ralph, have taught about, right? But we're going to read them in a different translation because how many of you know that sometimes a different translation can bring some different illumination to you, right? What we want to understand is that we are this new identity God has for us. We access it by faith. And when we access it by faith, our faith begins to change our actions. 
as opposed to what we typically try to do as human beings, we try to change our action to get something. But in the kingdom, it is because of who we are that we can do what we do. You understand? And I use this example all the time when I'm talking to women. And I say, we've had a lot of bad teaching as women about how to get a husband. And we've been given all of these instructions about all of these 37 hoops that women need to, to jump through in order for someone to choose them as a husband. So as a result, we have women who are not married, who are out here acting like wives. They are cleaning up for men. They are putting their finances with men. They are giving their bodies to men in hopes of being chosen. But every wife knows that it is not the sex. It is not the cooking. It is not um, any of that that makes you a wife. You are a wife because you have been chosen as a wife. You are new. You are holy because you have been chosen. No action. This is so important for us to understand because we talk a lot about obedience here. There is not one action that any one of us could ever do that would make us worthy of redemption. There is not one action that any of us could do that could make us worthy of redemption. Are you hearing me today? I want to make sure that you're giving hearts, likes, fire, that you're sharing this broadcast with people, that you're putting things in the comments, because I want to make sure we're on the same page, because you're going to understand that when we begin to talk about God, we talked about God's right hand and not panicking. And we talked about, you know, El Shaddai. We talked about Yahweh. But if we don't understand who we are, it doesn't matter. And what ends up happening is that we end up not obeying because of who we are, but obeying trying to prove to God that we are. Do you see the difference in that? What we do is we're like, I'm going to do these 12 things for God to show him that I'm ready. Many of you have done that in marriage. I'm going to do these 12 things to show God that I'm ready for a spouse. I'm going to do these 12 things to show as opposed to doing what you do from your identity. Doing what you do from the truth of your identity. So we, you know, if anything you want to know, anytime you want to know about something, you always go back to the beginning. Let's look at Genesis 1. God's desire from the foundation has always been to have a people that look like him. God's desire has always been family. God is a family man. In Genesis 1, verse 26, the first part of that verse, when God is getting ready to create Adam, he says, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Let us make man in our image and after our likeness. Now, right now on social media, I could point some of you out, but I'm not going to. There are many of you who you refer to your child as your mini-me, even though your child does not look like you. Your child look just like they daddy. Your child look just like they mama. But every time you take that picture, you like, look at my mini-me. Because in your heart, you know you are created to make something that looks like you. Where did you get that from? God. When God created humanity, he created us to be his family. God is a family man. Come on and put that in the comments. Say Yahweh is a family man. Okay. So because, because, isn't that a good thing to know God is a family man? God is all about the family. 
He's all about the family. And if you are a born again believer, you are aware that you are a part of God's family. And if you are watching and you are not born again, then you need to know that Jesus is the way to get you back to recognize that you are in the family of God. God has not forgotten you. Amen. So because God is a spirit, the Bible tells us, Jesus told um, the woman at the well, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, right? Because God is a spirit, we must understand that our original design is as spirit beings. Now, if you think about it, this is something Pastor Ellen says all the time. It says, he says, we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, Right? We are a spirit because I am created in the image of God. I am spirit first. My original intent, intent is to be spirit first. So when it says God created us in his image, it doesn't mean light skin, dark skin, black, white, Asian. It doesn't mean short, fat, skinny. What it means is he created us as spirit beings in his likeness, right? We need to understand what happened in sin, what really, really happened in sin. What really happened in sin, if you look at Genesis 3 and 7, after Adam eats, at Eve eats the fruit, Adam eats the fruit, it says, and the eyes of them were both open and they knew they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, hold on. They have been in the garden all this time. They didn't have any clothes on, but after they sinned, the eyes of them were open and they knew they were naked. Okay, guys, let's talk about what happened here. What happened here is that their decision to disobey God, it reversed their divine order. They went from being beings who were spirit first who had a body and a soul to being beings that their spirit man dried up and died because of sin. And they became aware of the world, not from God's perspective anymore, but from their own perspective and see immediately what happens after they sin. Immediately after they sin, they become aware that they lack something. So what sin did is that it created a divide between God and his family. Come on, somebody. It created a divide between God and his family. So before there was sin, Adam and Eve walked with God, met with God face to face, knew no fear, knew no lack, knew no insufficiency, knew no disappointment. And then sin comes in. And when sin comes in, that sin breaches the, the perception of Adam and Eve, it creates a divide. And the first thing that Adam becomes aware of is lack because sin causes Adam and Eve to stop looking from their true perspective as spirit beings to looking in the natural. They've lived all this time with God. Some people say, depending on the commentaries, some people say it was years that they lived um, in, the, in the garden. Before sin, before the serpent came in, but they walked with God. They dwelt with God. God brought the animals to Adam and said, what do you want to name them? And he could trust Adam's decision. Why? Because Adam saw face to face with God. Then the moment that sin comes in, they begin to see their lack. They began to see their lack. So stop and think about it. It caused humanity to grow from, go, to go from being 
people who shared spirit to spirit from God to being more aware of their physical bodies and their feelings than God. Now, if you think about it, that's why in 2 Corinthians, we say now we walk by faith and not by sight. Because when we accept what Jesus has done, we're put back in the place. We become aware of the fact that we don't live by what we see. We don't live by what we feel. We go back and learn how to live spirit to spirit. Now, this is interesting. It's interesting because um, as we keep going, um, we see that when we're born again, how many of you will admit that because you're born again, everything in you did not immediately go back to seeing spirit to spirit? Many of us have been walking with the Lord um, for years and you're still growing in areas where you're not seeing spirit to spirit with God, right? And so because God loves us, the Holy Spirit is in us working to bring the will of God to pass. And I want to submit this to you because many of you need to get back to praying for your friends and your family and your co-workers and your neighbors. Not only is God invested in you and I, the partners of Fellowship of Champions and the partners of First Baptist and the partners of St. James and the partners of Spirit of Faith and churches all over the world. Not only is he interested in us remembering who we are, he is interested in the entire world remembering that they are his family. Hallelujah. This is so good, right? We need to understand that the fall was actually a falling away from our true identity. We forgot that we were the image bearers of Elohim. Man, I hope you'll stop and think that and take that in. What sin did before sin, Adam and Eve look at God and they see themselves. They say, I look just like my dad. After sin, sin comes and gives a breach. They begin to live from their soul and from their feelings and from their emotions and their thoughts and their body. And they forget that they are image bearers of Elohim. I need somebody to put in the comments, help me to remember. God, help my memory. Restore my memory. Bring me back to before time that I was an image bearer so that I can live the rest of my life as an image bearer and I can break free from struggling to be a child of God, struggling to live above sin, struggling to live in my identity, fighting with rejection, and help me to remember, Lord, restore my memory. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You know, I wish Pastor Elm was here with me this morning to help me teach this thing right here, right? But I'm telling you, so he not here in the studio, you got to help me teach it this morning. You need to lay your hand on your head. Lord, restore my memory. You need to lay your hand on your heart. Holy Spirit, I am ready to remember. I am ready to remember my true identity. The other week, Pastor Evan was telling me a story about someone that he knew, I believe, from work. And the man was married to a woman. And the, they were happily married. And she had an accident. And when she had an accident, she lost her memory. So even though he was there loving on her as she recovered, she didn't remember him. And when she fully recovered, she left because she didn't remember him. And many of us, we are still living that way with the father. The father knows us before sin, but because we don't know ourselves, 
His intimacy makes us uncomfortable. And so instead of pushing in, we push away. But come on, it's a new day today. Why? Because when revelation comes, I can change my posture. And I can say, listen, it may be uncomfortable because you know, see, and she said there were things that he remembered about her that she didn't remember about herself. And so it made her uncomfortable. And so she wanted to get away from him. And some of us are in that position today. There are things that God remembers about us that we don't remember about ourselves. And when he begins to talk to us based on who we really are, we get uncomfortable and we run away. But tell your neighbor, say no more running, no more running. And I believe that's why three years ago, the Lord gave me a word and he said, I will reintroduce you to yourself. I am reintroducing you to yourself. I am reintroducing you to yourself. Why? Because you have lived in a state of spiritual it, um, amnesia long enough. You have lived in a state of spiritual memory loss long enough. You have lived unaware of who you are long enough. And now it is time for us to partner with the Holy Spirit. Come on, somebody, and let the Holy Spirit do his perfect work in us. Yes, we're born again. Yes, we're on our way to heaven, but we're not just meant to go to heaven. We are meant, in fact, I want to tell you, it wasn't even Jesus' goal for us to go to heaven. It was Jesus' goal for us to restore identity. It was Jesus' goal for us to remember. I need some people to type loud in the comments, loud in the comments, remember, remember. It is time to remember. You have lived in a state of spiritual amnesia long enough. Now let's look at what happens when we don't understand who we really are. When we don't understand who we really are, we misunderstand God. That's why many of us view God as a hard taskmaster. That's why many of you think God took your grandmama. That's why many of you think God won't give you a husband. That's why many of you think that God doesn't care that you're poor or you're sick or you're struggling with anxiety or depression. Because when you don't know who you are, you don't remember and then you misunderstand God. Well, here's what I want you to understand. If you misunderstand God, you're always going to misunderstand yourself. If I misunderstand God, I'm, I don't have any choice but to misunderstand myself. And one of the reasons that God needs to reintroduce us to ourselves is because the self we've known isn't who we really are. Oh, now that's interesting. No, I know who I am. I know I'm an introvert. Did God tell you that you're an introvert or did life make you an introvert? No, you know, I just, I just, I, I just really, really, I'm just an angry person. Now, did God make you an angry person? In Psalms 139, when he was weaving you together in the spiritual places, you mean to tell me he made you angry? And so when we don't, when we misunderstand God, the only next thing we can do is misunderstand ourselves. When we misunderstand ourselves, then number three, we misrepresent ourselves to others. See, if I don't know who my God is, who made me and I'm supposed to be his image, ain't no way I can know who I really am. So what I do is I construct a personality. I construct the personality. And many of you are living under the torment of mental distress because you constructed a personality. Because you took the parts that you thought would protect you instead of saying, no, Lord, I need to remember. And maybe you didn't know that then, but now you know that now. And you can say, listen here, I developed anxiety because I had to be in control. 
And now I realize I don't have to be in control because I look like my God and he's flowing on the inside of me. So I can give up anxiety because I no longer need to be in control because I remember who I am. So we misunderstand God. We misunderstand ourselves and then we misrepresent ourselves to others. We show up being people we were never intended to be. We show up creating codependent relationships. We show up doing things that we were never designed to do. We show up um, holding on to people so they won't leave us because we're afraid of rejection. We show up appearing weak even when we're strong. We show up appearing, uh, appearing strong even when we need partnership and covenant with other people. People. It is so important for us to understand that when we don't know who we are, we will misunderstand God, we will misunderstand ourselves, and then we will misrepresent ourselves to others, which leads to number four. Now I'm going, we miss our true identity. And there's no way, I mean, we miss our true destiny. See, many of us, we've seen the glimpse of what, who God has called us, what God has called us to do. Hear me. We have seen the vision of what God has called us to do but we are trying to do it without knowing who we are. The reason you struggle with the vision that God has given you is because you don't know who you are. So many of us are trying to grapple with how we're going to obey God and do what he's telling us to do. And we're trying to do before we've settled the being. If you're going to walk out your God-given destiny and do the thing that God has created you to do, you got to start by knowing who he called you to be. Then finally, our, we end up living lives that are shadows of what he really intended. Now I want to use a quote by the great philosopher, Nigel Valley. He says, salvation is the complete restoration of man back to God's original design. Salvation is the complete restoration of man back to God's original design. Put this in the comments. Say, I am an original design. I am. I need you to let that sink in. And there may be things that I'm saying to you today and you just need to take a deep breath and lay your hand on your heart. You need to lay your hand on your head and say, no, I receive this. I may not fully see this, but I receive this. I take this by faith. I am an original design. So the goal of salvation is the complete restoration. If we was at church, I would say somebody, I say, Valley, give me that keyboard and somebody shout complete, complete complete, not barely restoration, not I'm going to heaven when this is over restoration while I live in hell here, complete restoration, complete. Come on, put Valley's quote back up. Salvation, y'all ought to screenshot that. You ought to put it somewhere where you can see it this week. Salvation is the complete restoration of man back to God's original design. Now, guys, I'm going to take y'all out a little bit, and I'm not sure if I kept this in my final thing, but in first, Second Thessalonians 5 and 23. Is that right? Second Thessalonians 5 and 23. I got Bibles everywhere. Let me just grab one. Second Thessalonians 5 and 23. It talks about what the salvation experience looks like. And it says... Um, that he wants to sanctify us wholly, body, soul, and spirit. 
Understand the moment I accept Jesus, my spirit, everything I'm saying to you right now, your spirit is leaping. Your spirit is like, amen, this is true. Amen, this is from the Father. If there is any restriction at all, there it is. 1 Thessalonians 5 and 23, may God himself, the God of peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it talks about when Pastor Elwin says we are a spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. He's talking about this thing that um, Nigel, that minister Nigel, Elder Nigel taught us, which is that you are saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Wait a minute, time out, Pastor what do you mean? I am saved. If I've accepted Jesus Christ, I am saved. What's saved completely? My spirit. My spirit man is completely saved. My spirit man is back face to face with God. My spirit man knows that he is a son of God. My spirit man is not rejected. My spirit man does have not has no confusion over my identity. But what's happening now is the process of soul sanctification. Romans 12 and 2 says it like this. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so you can prove for yourself what is that good, perfect, and acceptable will of God. So the moment we accepted Jesus, what happens? Spirit man is saved. It comes back to life. It comes back into fellowship with God. Now what has to happen? Now we use the word. Now we use the Holy Spirit. Now we use the fellowship of the saints in order to sanctify our soul. Is this making sense? Y'all come on and talk to me today. Is this making sense that what's happening now is that the moment I accepted Jesus, my spirit man is like, oh yes, I'm alive. I'm back on track again, right? But my soul still has some issues because my, my soul still identifies as the old man and my soul still has that amnesia. That's why Paul tells us the conflict in between us is that we're wrestling and we're warring and sometimes we're doing things we don't want to do. Who don't want to do it? Your true self, your spirit. Your spirit don't want to do it. Your soul like, oh, it felt good to cuss them out. Your spirit like we don't cuss people out no more. So then the conflict of the is that we allow the word, we allow sanctification of the Holy Spirit to bring our soul into truth out of amnesia, into life, into revelation with our spirit man. Glory to God. Sanctification happens as God's word washes the lies out of our soul and his word becomes our truth. So we're going to be more sanctified, not because we wear a long dress, not because we wear long hair, not because we wear suits to church. The sanctification is we allow the word to wash our soul wash the lies out of our soul and we let the word become our truth. Many of you are still arguing with the word of God right now. What do you mean, Pastor Sean? Ephesians 1 has told you that you are accepted in the beloved, but you keep saying you're rejected. Your spirit isn't what's saying that you're rejected. That's not what's happening. Your soul is saying that you're rejected. Why is your soul saying you're rejected? Because your soul is still stuck in the realm of your feelings and your emotions and your thoughts and your memories. And so your soul is holding on to a lot. What's the solution? Tell your neighbor, say, we need more word. We need more word. We need more encounters. We need more experiences. So today I'm going to use a translation called the mirror translation. 
The mirror translation is not a direct translation. It was created to be a paraphrase translation. But let me help all of y'all who get tight in y'all chest about anything other than the King James Version. I want to be clear that we all know that the King James is actually a translation because Jesus did not walk in England. He walked in Galilee. Jesus' first language was not English. So people get all tight about new translations as though Jesus walked around the palace. Jesus' first language wasn't English. So everything you read is a translation. Unless you speak Hebrew, unless you speak Greek, everything you read is a translation. Tell your neighbor, say, and that's why we have the Holy Ghost. And that's why we have the Holy Ghost. All right. I love this. This came from the mirror translation commentary. Listen to me. Take a deep breath. Jesus does not have to persuade the father about us. He came to persuade us about the father. We are the ones who had amnesia, not God. God has never forgotten his purpose for us. God has never forgotten his purpose for his family. And it reminds me of something. There's a, a, a girl, her name is Morgan Nick. And if you're from Arkansas, you've probably heard of Morgan Nick. And Morgan Nick was snatched at a park when she was a little bitty girl. And Morgan Nick is probably close to 30 now. But do you know that Morgan, Nick, mother and father have never stopped looking for her? That every year there is a special, that they have a fundraiser. And Pastor Edwin and I were watching, I believe it was last year. And Morgan, Nick's mother said, I will never stop looking for my daughter. Now, if her, if she being natural is unwilling to stop looking for her daughter, do you think God will ever stop looking for you? That's why the Bible says you can make your bed in hell and there he would find you. That's why some of you heard him talk to you in the club. That's why some of you heard him talk to you when you was laying up in the bed with a married man, with a married woman. That's why some of you heard him talk to you even as you was putting a needle in your arm. Why? Because God never had amnesia. We were the ones with amnesia, but tell your neighbor, say, you coming out now, you coming out now. We're going to read some scriptures from, from very familiar scriptures, but we're going to hear them in the message translation. They're going to put them in the screen, on the screen. And the goal for me, for you today is that you would increase in your revelation and that you would come out of the place of amnesia that is keeping you from knowing yourself as the father knows you. Amen. We're going to look at John 3, 16. Now, you know, John 3, 16, you know how it goes. Y'all tell me how it goes in the comments, but I'm going to tell you how it says right here. It says the entire cosmos is the object of God's affection and he is not about to abandon his creation. The gift of his son is for mankind to realize his, to realize their origin in him who mirrors their authentic birth. Wait a minute. The entire cosmos. So the people, the trees, the planets, the ocean, the solar system, uh, the, the, the animals, 
They, we are the object of God's affection and he is not about to abandon us. Listen, somebody ought to be feeling convicted. As I was studying this, I thought about the people that I had stopped praying about because they had got on my nerves and I felt like they really didn't want to get it. And I was reminded of Morgan Nick's mother. And I need some of us to get back in position and say, not only do I need my memory restored, but I need my mama memory restored and I need my sister's memory restored and I need my friend's memory restored because I, because see the reason I gave up on them is because I forgot that you didn't give up on me. Woo, that's good. Verse three, three um, Galatians three seven. I mean, John three seventeen. It says God has no intention to condemn condemn anyone. He sent His Son not to be the judge, but to be the Savior of the world. Hallelujah. We go keep going. This still John three. Faith, not flesh, defines you. In persuasion of your authentic sonship, there is no separation or rejection. Everyone who struggles with the idea of being separated and rejected should take this. It says it is your faith in what God has done, not your flesh that defines you. In persuasion of your authentic sonship, there is no separation or rejected. Somebody needs to say, I'm not separated and I'm not rejected. And you need to stop letting the enemy talk to you. Man, you go, it's go, I'm gonna let you get to the scripture and then you're gonna see what I'm saying here. For someone not to embrace this is to, hold on. For someone not to embrace this, what this, that God has not abandoned his people that he sent Jesus to restore us. For someone not to embrace this is to remain under their own judgment, sustained by their futile efforts to define themselves through personal performance. When I don't accept what Jesus really came to do, I can go to church, I can preach, I can tithe, I can fast, but I still remain under my own judgment and that own judgment is sustained by my futile efforts to define myself by my own performance. I am not defined by my performance. I am defined by my God. Somebody getting free today. My God, my God, my God. Keep going. In their stubborn, in their stubborn unbelief, they reject what is revealed and redeemed in the name of the Son begotten of the Father and not of flesh. Next verse. And this is the crisis. The light is here right now. Yet people are so addicted to their own darkness. They prefer a life of labors, annoyances, and hardships. Wait, and this is the crisis. This is what the Holy Spirit is unraveling. This is the work of the church. This is the work of every preacher. This is the work of every missionary. This is the work of fivefold. The crisis is that light is here right now. Isaiah 60 says it like this, arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of God has risen up on you. And this is the crisis. The light is here right now. Now, tell your neighbor, you're not looking for light. You're not looking for God. You're not looking for answers. The light is here right now. And yet 
people are so addicted to their own darkness. Say, break me up with any darkness. Come on, you need to release that today. Break me up with any darkness. I do not want to be so addicted to my own darkness, my own rejection, my own sexual sin, my own abandonment, my own family mistakes, my own whatever, that even though the light is here right here, I'm so addicted to it that I prefer a life of labors, annoyances, and hardships. Help us, Holy Ghost. Next verse, when someone is engaged in something worthless, and I want to tell y'all this, you're not going to like it, but I'm going to tell you, anything that God has not created you for is a worthless pursuit. Anything, any relationship, any job, any degree, I don't care how many certificates you get. I don't care if they build a statue for you. Anything that is not what God has created you for is a worthless pursuit. It says when someone is engaged in something worthless, they often fear exposure and feel threatened by light. Keep going. Next verse. He who discovers the poetry of truth faces the light unashamedly. His lifestyle boldly displays the workmanship of union with God. His works speak for themselves that we are made in heaven, wrought by God. That's our real identity. We are made in heaven, wrought by God. Now let's go to John 1 and 1. Are y'all getting something from this? Let me take a sip of water. Y'all getting something from this? Come on, you need to shift in this thing. Why? Because if you shift in this thing, when we look at the prophetic word, and it says, don't panic. Why would I panic? I'm face to face with God. Why would I get out of love? If I get out of love, I get out of God. Why would I do that? Ooh, Jesus, made in heaven, wrought by God. Say, that's my real identity. I need y'all to take about 13 seconds and praise God that you can, that you, that this is the truth. That this is the truth. The truth is not that just that you die and go to heaven. This is the truth right here. This is the truth that you are made in heaven, wrought by God. This is the truth that you no longer have to be bound to worthless pursuits. This is the truth that you no longer have to be addicted to darkness because light is here. This is the truth and you have the ability by faith. How do I receive it? By faith. I don't wait for my feelings to catch up. I receive it by faith. God, I take that. I'm, I'm reading it. I see it. My spirit agrees. I take that. Let's go to John 1. Let's keep going. I got a little more to give you. It says to go back to the very beginning is to find the word already present there face to face with God. The one mirrors the other. The word is I am. God's eloquence echoes and concludes in him. The word equals God. There is no conflict between father and son. They mirror each other in perfect, absolute union. Jesus expresses the father's desire to bring us back into face-to-face -face engagement. God sent Jesus in the flesh to express the Father's desire to bring us back to 
face-to-face engagement. That's why Pastor Edwin and I have been telling you guys for decades, what did God say? You got a blood-bought right to hear God. You got a right to experience God face-to-face. Every word you hear don't have to come from a prophet. You don't have any need of going into to any psychics. You don't need no psychic. You can talk to God face-to-face. You don't need to consult a, your astrological sign and know what the day is for a cancer, know what the day is for a Libra. Why? Because you can talk to God face to face. You don't have to get in a line. It's great if a prophet give you a word, but if a, if a prophet don't never give you a word, you can experience God face to face. And many of you have sought everybody for your identity, everybody for your direction, and none of them can tell you because even the prophets see darkly. We only see in peace. Only God knows your full identity, which is why many of you have gone on from place to place in life, accumulating trophies of worthless pursuits, and yet you still feel empty. No matter how much stuff you get, no matter who you're with, no matter what kind of sex you have, no matter what kind of food you eat, no matter what kind of clothes you buy, there's still that disconnect. Why? Because you were designed for face-to-face engagement and nothing else will ever satisfy. Nothing else will ever satisfy. Nothing else will ever satisfy. I know they promised you they could satisfy. I know they did, but that's why that's why you got to be with them in order to be happy. That's why things sitting up under you, you can't be happy. That's why when you make the money, it still ain't enough money. That's why when you take on the trip, you can't even really enjoy the trip because what you're really looking for is face-to-face engagement because that is what you were created for. That's what you were created for. John 1 and 2, it says the beginning mirrors the word face to face with God. The logos is the source. Everything commences in him. He remains the exclusive parent reference to their existence. There is nothing original except the word. Anything you come up with outside of the word is not an original. It is a counterfeit. It is an alternate. It is not your real. It is the product of amnesia. It is the product of spiritual blindness. It is the product of being in darkness because nothing is original except the word. So everything you believe in this moment today about yourself that's not from God is a fake. Everything you hear, hear what I'm saying, take it in. Everything you believe about your, well, Pastor John, I've, I believe for 47 years that um I, I, I was rejected. It's just a fake belief. Y'all ought to share this with somebody. I'm telling you, because this right here, it will help you. And you will begin, instead of trying to do things to be, you will do things because you know who you are. And then you won't have so much anxiety about whether God can help you pay your bills or whether you can build a business or whether you can reach kids in Africa or whether you can be a great school teacher. Why? Because you will do it from knowing who you are and who is in you. It says the logic of God, the logic of God defines the only possible place where mankind can trace their origin. His light is the life that defines our lives. So if I really want to know what my real life is, I got to see have his life. Because without his life, I create a fake life. Tell your neighbor, say, without his life, 
Without his life, you create a fake life. And do you know, have you been on social media long enough to know that people can be real impressed by fake? Don't settle for a fake life. Verse four, verse 12. No, I'm sorry. Yes. Now, now we go, go to John 1 and 12. Everyone who realizes their association in him, convinced he is their original life and that his name defines them, God gives the assurance that they are indeed his offspring, begotten of him, and he sanctions the legitimacy of their sonship. Tell your neighbor, say, God has sanctioned our relationship. He knows me. I belong to him. I belong to him. Now, verse 13, I really want y'all to hang into this. This particularly, if you were created um, out of wedlock, if, you're, if your mom and dad was married, your dad left, your mom left, if you were created the product of rape, adultery, whatever, I really want you to listen to this scripture right here. Verse 13. These are the ones, which ones? The ones who realize their association with him. The ones that realize their association with him. What happens? These are the ones who discover their genesis in God. My beginning is in God. Beyond their natural conception. This is not about our blood. Whether we were wanted or unwanted as children. This is about our God begottenness. We are his dream come true, not the invention of our parents. You are indeed the greatest idea God ever had. No, nope, I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again. I'm going to read it again. Because some of you go lay that rejection and that abandonment and my daddy wasn't there and my sister don't like me and I was the black sheep for my family. You go lay that mess down and you're not going to pick it up again. I'm going to read it to you again. Everyone who discovers their genesis in God, my beginning is in God, beyond their natural conception. This is not about our blood, whether we were wanted or unwanted as children. I'm going to say it again. This is not about our blood. Wait, so my daddy didn't want me, but I don't have to carry that no more. And my mama didn't favor me, but I don't have to carry that no more. And my grandmama didn't like me because I wasn't light-skinned enough, but I don't have to carry that no more. And even now, my family do things, and they don't even include me in them because they don't really fool with me like that. But I don't have to carry that no more because what I just read is that these are the ones who discover their genesis in God beyond their natural conception. This is not about our blood or whether we were wanted or unwanted in children. This is about our God begottenness. We are his dream come true. We are not the invention of our parents. I need everybody to put it right there. I don't care whether your mom and daddy was good or not. I want you to say it. I was not the invention of my parents. I was not the invention of my parents. Come on, you ought to take a deep breath. You ought to praise God for that. I was not the invention of my parents. You can't make me feel bad because my mom and daddy weren't together. You can't make me feel bad because I was the product of rape or molestation. You can't make me feel bad because my daddy took care of some kids down the street. You can't even make me feel bad because I happen to be the favorite kid in the family. Because the truth of it is, I am not the product of the invention of my parents. I am God's greatest idea. 
I just got to stop and say to you, I don't know how anybody could have a revelation of this and ever have another conversation about a human being who can't see your value. I don't understand how you read this scripture right here and ever have another conversation conversation about my friends don't support me. Everybody ain't there for me. It's a bunch of haters in the world. Why in the world would I care about that when I have just found out that those who discover their beginning in God beyond their natural conception, this is not about our blood or whether we were wanted or unwanted as children. This is about our God begottenness. We are his dream come true, not the invention of our parents. You are indeed God's greatest idea ever. And this is what we can now take for everybody. Anybody who has low self-esteem has not recognized this is true. The only way you could have low self-esteem, low self-worth, low self-value is that you don't recognize this is true. The only way that you would put drugs in your body is that you don't recognize this is true. The only way that you would sell your body is that you don't recognize this is true. The only way that you would be in a relationship where somebody mistreats you and belittles you is that you don't recognize this is true. The only way that you would mistreat yourself is that you don't recognize this is true. And that is why we say, remember, 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 God is a family man. And just like Morgan Nick's family has not given up on her, God has not given up on you. And God has an advantage over Morgan Nick's family. He knows exactly where every one of us is located right now. He knows exactly what lies are holding us in bondage. And that's why the Holy Spirit is ever work. Somebody praise God for the Holy Ghost. He, the Holy Spirit is working in us right now, working around us right now, working on behalf of us right now. Why? Because he is bringing us into the truth of who we are. Oh, my goodness. Listen, we almost done. We almost done. Can you give God some praise for that? Can you give God? Come on. Y'all, I usually say this when Pastor Ellen and I are teaching together. Come on. And Chris, I'm so glad you put that in the comments because when you sang that song this morning, I said, you know me take on whole new meaning. The first time I heard that song, that was like, you know me. And even though I mess up, you still love me. No, no, no. You know me like you know what you created. You know who I really am. I don't know who I really am, but you know who you really, who I really am. And even when I'm out here living like a stone cold fool, nothing is hidden from your sight because you know me. So you keep calling, you keep drawing, you keep sending people into my life. You ought to just thank the Lord that even when you, when you, when you messed up so much, when it shouldn't have been no recovery for you, when you did things that he told you not to do, wherever I go, you find me and you don't miss a thing. You don't miss a thing. And that's why in John 15, he prunes us and there'll be these things that may not be visible to other people. And he'll say, give me that, Chris. That's not the real you. Give me that, Sid. That's not the real you. Come on, Ralph. Give me that. Come on, Brenda. Give me that. Come on, Kevin. Give me that. That's not the real you. And you're like, no, but I've been this way all my life. He's like, I know, but it's not the real you. It's not what heaven created. 
And I believe that more and more in this last days, we're going to see a people of God that literally light is going to begin to illuminate off of us because we're going to give up every false identity. And literally, we're going to begin to bring people into the kingdom, not into a denomination, not into a church. We're going to begin to bring them into their real identity. And we're going to begin to have a compassion and patience for people and understand that when they're walking around these with all these issues, it's because they still believe their genesis is in the flesh. They still believe their beginning is based on their mom and daddy. But I came to tell you that your genesis, your genesis is God. This is about our God begottenness. This is not about our blood or whether we were wanted or unwanted as children. This is about our God begottenness. We are his dream come true, not the invention of our parents. You are indeed the greatest idea God ever had. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. It says, now in light, now in light of what you've just heard, now in light of your inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before in Christ, you are a brand new person. Whoever you thought you were, you are a brand new person. The old way of seeing yourself and everyone are over. Acquaint yourself with the new. The purpose now of the word and the Holy Spirit is to acquaint ourselves with the new. Acquaint ourselves with the new. If you get a new car, you get an upgraded model of a car, an upgraded model of a TV. You got to acquaint yourself with the new way. You'd be like, my old car didn't do this because it's your old car. My old TV didn't have picture in picture. It, it, your, my old TV, I couldn't talk to it and tell Alexa to record the show. It wasn't in there. Now you got to acquaint yourself with the new. Tell your neighbor, say you've been made new. Now you got to acquaint yourself with it. Now I have to acquaint myself with the newness. Let's go to Romans 12 and 1. It says, live consistent with who you really are. Live consistent, say I will live consistent with who I really am. Live consistent with who you really are. Ooh, inspired by the loving kindness of God. My brothers, the most practical expression of worship is to make your bodies available to him as a living sacrifice. This pleases him more than any religious routine. This is, I'm, I'm, I'm living in consistency with who I really am. First Corinthians 2 16. There is no other basis to teach from, but to echo the mind of Christ. He is the mastermind personified in us all. My God. First Corinthians 13 11. I know it's a lot of scripture, but listen, scripture is what changes us. It's the life that transforms us. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 11. It says, when I was an infant, I spoke infant gibberish with the mind of an infant. So when I was an infant, I said, I can't change. When I was an infant, I said, God knows my heart while I kept doing the same things. When I was an infant, I spoke infant gibberish because I had the mind of an infant. My reasoning was also typical of an infant 
how it all changed when I became a grown-up. I am an infant no more. Why? I just had some light that changed me. I just had a moment to grow up. I no longer refer to myself as who I used to be. I am a new creature and I'm now acquainting myself with the new. Anybody ever had a kid? We got, we got five kids. Anybody ever had a kid? And you, once your kid isn't a baby, they use baby talk. Who don't that get on your nerves for a big kid to use baby talk? You got an eight-year-old standing there talking about, my, 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 my. You're like, no, no, open your, you can't stand it. You can't stand it. When I was an infant, I spoke infant gibberish. I talked about how I couldn't get free. I wondered if God loved me. I talked about who my haters were. I stayed in office with people. I gossiped. I was messy. Why? Because I had the mind of an infant. My reasoning was typical of an infant. How it all changed when I became a grown-up. I am an infant no more. Verse 12 says, there was a time of suspense was merely mirrored in a prophetic word like an enigma. So before Jesus came, everything they were talking about, it really was just a prophetic word. But when I became adult in my revelation of Christ, I gazed face to face, y'all, this last part of this verse, that I may know me as I have always been known. This whole journey is for us to know ourselves as God has always known us. It is the waking up, putting our face in the sunlight to know ourselves as we have always been known. Salvation is about me remembering myself as heaven already knows me. I'm already known as something. I'm already that. It's about me waking up to the that I already am. It's me remembering myself as heaven knows me. Come on, lay your hand on your head. Help me remember. Lay your hand on your heart. Help me remember. We got two more scriptures. And then I'm going to give you all these seven steps and then we're going to get out. We go pray and get out of here. Ephesians 2 and 1, it says, picture where God found us. We were in a death trap of an inferior lifestyle, constantly living below the blueprint measure of our lives. Picture how God found us. We were in a death trap of an inferior lifestyle constantly living below the blueprint measure of our lives. Because who got the blueprint, guys? Put it in the comments. Who got the blueprint? Who has the blueprint? So we out here trying to design our own blueprint. And then Christ comes to 10. We are engineered by his design. He molded and manufactured us in Christ. We are his workmanship. We are his poetry. We are fully fit to do good. We are equipped to give attractive evidence of his likeness in us in everything we do. Say, so that's who I really am. That's who I really am. You're going to have to say to some people, allow me to reintroduce myself. I went to church on Sunday and I found out who I really was. 
And I stepped out of all of this self-pity and I stepped out of all of this sin and I can't go there no more with you and I can't do that with you no more. And you can't text me and say that to me no more. And I can't sit up in that gossip no more. And I can't sit and feel sorry for myself because I found out who I really am. Now, what do I have to do practically? You've heard all of this good teaching. You've heard all of this good teaching. But now what do you have to do? What is your practical steps? Number one, you've got to make a decision to accept God's purpose as your only truth. Now, guys, you may get up tomorrow and, and slip back into some of that old behavior. But as soon as you see yourself slipping into that old behavior, you ought to pull out, get you a mirror translation. You can get one on Kindle. You can order one. You ought to get you one and you ought to go back and say, wait a minute, I am not the product. I'm not my parents' invention. Do you know how beautiful that is that you're not your parents' invention? That means that whatever's on your parents don't have to be on you. Whatever struggles in your bloodline, you can step away from them. No, 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 no. That doesn't belong to me. I'm not my parents' invention. I break up with everything that's the product of flesh and blood. So I got to make a decision to accept God's purpose as my only truth. Number two. I've got to give the Holy Spirit free access to my soul. Tell your neighbor, you got to let the Holy Ghost talk to you. You got to stop fighting him. You can hear the Holy Spirit when he tell you to stop talking, when he tell you to go here, when he tell you to do this, when he tell you to come still away and read your Bible. You got to stop fighting him. You got to let the Holy Spirit have free access to your soul. You got to open up all the doors, all the windows of the house, all the places you've been trying to manage yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, come in. You know, there's a song, bunch of songs about the Holy Spirit being welcome. Find one of them, sing them, sing them in, come on in. Number three, you have to believe that God has redeemed you through Christ. You got to believe it. But Pastor Sean, you don't understand. I'm still in a bad marriage. Pastor Sean, you don't understand. I still got money issues. I still got these feelings. But I believe I have been redeemed. That's number three. Number four, I have to cast out all lies with the truth of God's word. And I really believe that that's a challenge for many of us. It's not what we say about ourselves at church and at the lives. It's what we say about ourselves when we're by ourselves. Are we saying what God is saying about us? Or are we rehashing memories? Number five, we got to walk through the pain. What do I mean walk through the pain? I mean, they're going to be, as you let the Holy Spirit prune you and show you who you really are, there are going to be moments where you wake up and realize you've been doing something for a long time, but it wasn't really you. You go feel some pain. You go be like, I, the enemy come. You be like, I can't believe I wasted my life. I can't believe I gave all them people that money. I can't believe I did all of that. Walk through it. Don't sit in it. We walk through. They, yay, though we walk through the, we don't keep talking about it. We acknowledge it. We acknowledge we thought we were right here. We weren't right there. We acknowledge that God has introduced something to, we walk through it. Tell your neighbor, say, go through it. Number six. Stop participating in cycles produced by lies. Stop participating in the cycles. What do I mean? I feel bad about myself, so I get on the phone and talk about somebody else. I feel bad about myself, so I call Jerome. I feel bad about myself, so I call Tamika. 
I have to stop participating in the cycles. I have to be willing to walk through the pain and let God truth bring me into who I'm really called to be. Number seven, I got to consistently affirm God's truth about me and take actions that support his truth. So what does that mean? That means that now that I know who I am, it's some stuff I don't do. Not because I'm trying to convince God of anything, but because I know who I am. All right? So um, I want to do this um, exercise with you guys. You guys, if anybody wants to give their life to Jesus, this is a great time to do it. But I want to do this exercise, and it's based on Zechariah. And it's um, when, when, Zachariah, when Joshua comes to the court. And I want you to do it just as a visualization to bring your imagination in. We did a lot of work right here in my profession. When we would call that work, we we would call that work soul shifting. But I want us to practice to do a bring our imagination in and to make a garment change today. And after that, we're going to be out of here. So what I want you to do in Zechariah, it talks about how um, Satan accuses Joshua before God, and Joshua stands there and he has this garment on. And so basically what we're going to do is a garment exchange um, exercise. Now, you know, this is still relevant because in the prodigal son, when the prodigal son comes home, what does the father do? He puts a garment on him. Now, we've we've been teaching you guys that your soul is your mind, will, emotions, intellect and imagination. So what do I want you to do? I want you to use your imagination. We've used our imagination for all kind of stuff. Now we want to use our imagination to see what God is doing for that word to become real. So I want you to imagine yourself that you're in a courtroom. And in that courtroom, you know, it, it, it's the courtroom of God. God is there. Jesus is seated at his right hand. The Holy Spirit is overcoming, over uh, hovering over you. Angels are there. Everybody is so glad that you are there. The father is so glad. They are so glad you are waking up to the truth of who you are. They're they're so glad that you're there. They're like, yes, a son has come home. A son has come home. A son is waking up out of amnesia. You know, when we say son that is in the kingdom, men and women are sons. So we're not excluding women, God. So I want you to see this garment that you have on. It's a dirty garment. And every word, every accusation that the enemy has ever spoken about you, everything that you can think of, I want you to see that garment, whatever it looks like. And for those of you who are in inner circle, help them out. You can put some of your comments in there so they can see. I want you to see that garment. I want you to see those words on that garment. And that's what it looks like is on you, right? And then here's what I want you to see in your imagination. I want you to see the blood of Jesus begin to cover you from the top of your head to the sole of your feet, literally washing over that garment and not only washing it, but as it washes it, it changes it. And I want you to think about what your garment looked like before when it had all those words on it, liar, fornicator, rejected, you know, bankrupt, whatever your shame, whatever your sin, whatever your separation is. And I just want you to see the blood of Jesus being washed over you and that garment changing. And now, now, and I see some people are doing it right. You know, they're putting their ugly words up there. But now I want you to see the blood washing over that garment and I want you to see that garment change. What does it look like now? 
What does it look like now? What does that garment look like now? What are the words that are on that garment now? You should see the words righteousness. You should see the words deeply loved. You should see the words faith. You should see the stamp of Christ on you. And then now what I want you to do, now that you're standing there in your garment, I want you to check it out, this beautiful garment. And it's funny because every time we do this, people's garments look different. But if you don't mind, what color is your garment? And then one of the things that we ask people to do is to go and ask God why your garment was that color. Somebody may see the word I am written on the garment. See yourself being transformed. And then now what I want you to do in the last part of Zechariah 3, it talks about and he put a turban on his head. Well, that turban represents the mind of Christ. So I want you to see a turban being set on your head or a crown or whatever your imagination shows you being set on your head, signifying that not only do you have a new garment of righteousness on, but you now have the mind of Christ. It's a celebration, y'all. All of heaven is rejoicing. Your angels are rejoicing. Your family that have gone on before you, Hebrews 12 and 2 to 12, it says, um, therefore, seeing we are encompassed around such a great cloud of witness, people are so excited. Heaven is so excited that you have come out of amnesia, taken off that filthy garment and allowed the blood to cleanse you. This is your new identity. And we want you to stay in this place. And I'll tell you this, sometimes when people go back in their mind, they go back and when they go back in their mind, they see that same dirty garment. But I love that when we did this in Soul Shift, somebody came back with that garment and the Lord said, why you got that garment on? I took that garment off of you. That's the reminder. Don't put back on what he's taken off. Don't pick back up what he's taken off. Don't go back where he's freed you. I want to pray for you. And then it's your opportunity to give. I love seeing this right here. Set yourself free. Listen, if somebody tries to come and tell you you ain't changed, baby, don't argue with them. Just walk in your change living. Don't convince people you don't have to make some big proclamation because one of the many things the scripture told us is that we will see his light living out in us. So I don't have to convince you. I'm just going to walk in the truth of who I am. Let's pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the transformation that started today and will even continue. I thank you that you have not called us to be a people who struggle in a loss of our identity, wondering if we're loved, wondering who we are. I thank you for the revelation and the gift of the mirror translation that brings illumination. Holy Spirit, we thank you that this work that we've done here, that it is sealed by you, that you would not protect our, that you would protect our hearts so the enemy would not be able to steal this truth from us and that we would continue to grow and to be exactly who God created us to be. Our desire is to live from our reality in the perspective of the family of God. We belong to God. God belongs to us. We are in him. He is in us. And we thank you for it in Jesus name. Amen. 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 All right. It's your opportunity to give today. It's, it's your opportunity to give. Man, as we are, we have ways to give. If you're an international partner, you can use um, PayPal at FOCChurchNWA at Gmail. Otherwise, we ask you to give, give one of our other options, the Giveify, the Push Pay, the Tithely, the Text. You know, this is such a beautiful thing that when you think about um, um, seeing God as a father and seeing yourself as a part of the family of God, then giving isn't grievous to you. 
Because when you love people, you want to give. You want to see this work. How many of you want to see Fellowship of Champions go all over the world? How many of you know, how many of you have been impacted by the teaching and you want us to continue to build and impact people, right? That's what your giving does. Your giving allows us to continue to do all of the things that God is calling us to do. We thank you for your partnership. BJ, I love you too. Thank you so much. I, you know, my heart's desire is that this word shifts us. Yes, we have a lot of work to do for the kingdom. We have a lot of visions to manifest, but we want to do them from the right perception. We want to do them knowing who we really are. We want to break off this strain and struggle and stop fighting and arguing with God over who we think we are and who we think we aren't. And so we just bless you. We love you. We're at home. We got a dog situation. I don't know if y'all can hear that, but it'll be okay. If we was at church and a baby was crying, Pastor Ellen would say, we don't care nothing about no babies crying. We just go do what we go do. So... We love you guys so much. We hope you got uh, blessed by today's message. I'd love to hear uh, if you send me a message. I'd love to hear you. This is the year. Actually, just so y'all know, these are not our dogs acting well our, by themselves. It's the it's some dogs outside that have stared the dogs. But see, let, let Maggie and Harley be an example to you. You cannot get messed up by what's outside the house. See, I'm a preacher. I can make a message out of anything. Right there. Don't get distracted by what's outside of the house. All right. We love you. We hope we'll, you come to church this week. We bless you. Send me a message if today's message bless you. We'll be back here with Pastor Edwin next week, and we're going to finish up teaching about the God of El Shaddai. Thanks again, Chris, for making it work when we had technical difficulties. Ralph and Coach Vaughn, we appreciate you so much. God bless you. Y'all have an amazing day. Remember, remember, we're ready. We're blessed. We're ready and we win. Amen. Y'all have a great weekend.